0: Uh, Hello everyone and welcome to another discussion on the podcast series of the Society of Armenian Studies. Uh, Today we are going to have a conversation with Dr. Val Avedyan on his last book. Uh, Dr. Val Venavetian is a historian specializing in research concerning the fields of genocide, human rights, peace and uh, conflict and democracy. His previous research has mainly focused on the legacy of the Armenian Genocide, including its politics of memory, its impact on both perpetrator and victim groups, but also on international law and within the political uh, arena. His research also includes peace and conflict studies, among others, the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Uh, Hello, uh, Varagan. Hello. uh, today, as I said, we are going to, to discuss your last book, and uh, you, 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 you entitled your last book, Knowledge and Acknowledgement in the Politics of Memory of the Armenian Genocide, and uh, it was published in the Rutli- Rutledge Press. Uh, so let's start with the idea. Yes. I know this book is a modified and developed and refined version of your PhD thesis. And when did you decide to do research on this subject? Why did you choose the place to place the issue of the Armenian Genocide in the context of the politics of memory? Uh,
1: Thank you. Um, Well, when I handed in my uh, proposal for doctoral thesis uh, at Lund University, uh, in the beginning I was going to actually look at what happened between the Sev Treaty and Lausanne in, uh, between 1920 and 1923. How, how come we went from the Treaty with all the articles regarding the Armenian Genocide, well, it wasn't called the genocide, the Armenian massacres and crimes against humanity, uh, the punishment of the perpetrators, the arbitrary ruling uh, given to pre- President Wilson, uh, ending up in the Lausanne Treaty with the total amnesty and uh, not even mentioning Armenia or uh, Armenian in, in the treaty. And uh, when I started to look at the literature, what, what I called the missing link was a book by Akade Nasibian, Great Britain and the Armenian Massacres, which I... Th- he had, uh, I'm not sure if, it, if, it, if that book is his PhD, but it's, uh, uh, it's a book published in early 1980s, if I don't recall it uh, wrong. But when I found that book, and that was by coincidence, uh, I had already written, uh, read Balakian's Burning Tigris. And uh, when I read Nasibian's book, which I think is a, is a very important book, which is unfortunately forgotten yes. within research, yes. uh, it explained pretty much everything. Those two books together uh, explained a lot about what went, let us say, wrong between Sevres and La- Lausanne. And I just went to my supervisor and said, you know what, Uh, I have to pick a new topic, Uh, this is already done. The French and the Russian parts, and especially the Turkish parts, are still missing, of course, but unfortunately I don't uh, speak neither, I don't speak either of those languages. So I had to choose another uh, topic, and I've always been um, interested in the legacy of of the Armenian Genocide, and to be honest, have." Driven away from the events themselves, so I just uh, thought, why not write about why? Why, why is it so topical? Hundred years later, it's still a political hotbed, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, during those four or five years in in the uh, PhD courses and all that, the the idea developed to be the thesis on 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 the knowledge of the Armenian genocide on one hand and how the political acknowledgement of it has failed and why?
0: Uh, Well, it was your your goal, your vision and uh, what what you had in uh, in the end. I mean mean, usually uh, the initial plan differs from the results
1: most of the time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least from my own experience, the one never
0: works out as as, as planned.
1: Rarely, as, as lo- well compared to uh, uh, my other co-students as well, there a couple of them maybe managed to do that, succeeded to do that, but in many cases, yes, uh, you don't end up with what you started. And
0: so, if if you are asked what your book is about, how can you just define? the key outcome of
1: book Well, as the title uh, hints, it, it is. A, a, I actually had in mind to name the book Knowledge and Disacknowledgement because that is what the whole problem boils down to. You have this knowledge on on one side, and when you look at uh, the literature, Armenian case is actually nowadays uh, without uh, uh, Exaggeration. The Armenian case is actually considered as the most, one of the most studied cases in modern genocide, second only to the Holocaust. So you have this huge knowledge about the Armenian genocide, which is, of course, not close to the Holocaust, but way, way much more than any other cases of modern genocide, despite not being denied as. Turkey does, and, and whatever that means, but uh, implies to the studies. But uh, uh, you have the body of the information on one side, and on the other side, you have this blanket of refuse, refusal of acknowledging the, the case as what everything clearly points to a genocide. So uh, th- that's what my book is about the, the, pretty much the disparity between knowledge and the acknowledgement of the same information, and how that disparity is according to my thesis and uh, me uh, keeping the whole question alive a century later. Especially on the political arena, but of course between the two nations, the perpetrator and the victim, uh, Turkey on one side, Armenia mainly on the other side, but now as the research develops, we we also have uh, become more and more aware of the impact on Assyrians, Syriacs, uh, Greeks, Pontic Greeks, etc. So it has grown, but uh, it's that disparity that keeps the question alive, the non-recognition that keeps it in between perpetrator and victims on, on one hand, but also internally in each group respectively.
0: Yeah. Uh, now let's discuss another important question: uh, the method you use, the methodology you, you used during the research, mm-hmm. and how can you consider your primary sources? Are they memoirs? Those are the me- one of the main repositories of human memory, or you are predominantly focused on analyzing and even in some way deconstruction of political statements as tool for creation hmm. of an official
1: narrative? Uh, well, politics of memory, it's a, it's a wide area, of course, and, and it, the memory can, as you have already pointed out, it can be taken in from so many different sources. Uh, my sources are not so much about memoirs, but uh, mostly are about, uh, about uh, archive research. And with archive research, uh, the, the episode for, for, for instance, uh, April 24, 1965, is mainly based on uh, the work of Dr. Awak Harutunian. The book that he had uh, published back in 2005 uh, on the whole uh, episode going a couple of years before 1965, but also what happened during those two or three days and the whole assessment, the political, but also the intellectual assessment. So that work is mainly uh, mostly based on really his archival work. But again, uh, what I point out in my book is that I might not uh, uh, present so much new information, but this kind of information was Pretty much not known to non-Armenian speaking uh, community, but my own archival work is mainly done in the United Nations archives, uh, the Subcommission for Human Rights, regarding the Ruhaniyan Kiko report in 1979, the Benjamin Whitaker report in 1985, uh, but also in the debate uh, in the European Parliament. Uh, because I have seen many statements and many many assessments of all these reports and recognition, but I have never seen in detail uh, analysis of what people argued, what the argumentation was about, why and why not one report was uh, approved, the Armenian Genocide, uh, as an example, was included and maybe excluded from another case. So. It's mainly archival work in in international institutions, United Nations, European Parliament, but also looking into how uh, exactly the Holocaust and Jewish organizations, and especially in in regard to the uh, creation and uh, the the creation of the uh, United States Memorial Museum for the Holocaust because I I genuinely think that other than using the Holocaust as a uh, comparative case uh, the Armenian and the Jewish genocides have, as Yehuda Bauer who I interviewed, they have actually a physical contact, a literally physical contact uh, relation to each other. And of course I have also interviewed a couple of researchers who uh, Yehuda Bauer, uh, Israel Charney, uh, Richard Hovannisyan, who were active during the past 30-40 years of Armenian genocide study and, and its development, its entry into the academy.
0: Um, yes, and, uh, in, in the case you mentioned about the archival materials, I think it would be very interesting to uh, read uh, documents of the debates in political law. Soviet uh, yeah. leadership. Yeah. I don't know if if they are uncovered now or not, but I think because the, the decision, for example, of the creation of Armenian Genocide Memorial mm. was just uh, adopted in the, during these debates. I think it's a new ground for you to, to of go course wider.
1: Um, And again, that work. My, I have. Um as a as a historian, as a researcher, you have to uh, always uh, have your back free. So, so, I had to confirm the sources, of course, etc. But uh, since, again, the or- or originals in those documents is in Russian, uh, I had to rely on Dr. Hartunian's work, which I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to uh, get a copy of his book in, in Armenian. But, the, I mean, he has Yes, several uh, documents. It's a transcript from the Russian, but the Armenian is the protocols from the Politburo uh, meetings and and the assessment after uh, April 24, but also a, a huge protocol concerning a meeting of uh, writer, intellectuals, writers, po- poets, etc., who were assessing w- what happened in April 24, why and ho- how we are going to move yes, forward. I
0: think it, it, it would be very interesting to compare the uh, public discourse in 1960 with course they yeah, have now a yeah, discourse yeah, yeah. in, in, in Romania. So uh, mm. the
1: for me, uh, again i mean i 've run into so many documents that uh, i haven 't I, I can't say I have discovered them within co- quotation marks, but they are documents which have been semi known to to the uh, public but either they not, not uh, available to the general public or maybe in this uh, UN war report uh, uh, war commission report from 1948 i mean there are even excerpts from it mentioned uh, in in the on the uh, site of the armenian genocide institute uh, museum uh, but the the importance of those documents uh, including nasibian's book uh, seems to have been lost in the debate or the search for the evidence that the massacres in the 1915 w- were a genocide and that's one of, was one of, uh, one of the reasons when i started to deviate from 1915 1916 looking into the aftermath as well because uh, early on i started to argue that one of the one of the two one of the main reasons uh, of the, Ar- uh, the Turkish state denial of the Armenian Genocide was to actually uh, keeping the research busy with, with finding with that document which is probably never going to be found uh, and by the way there, there is no such document even about the Holocaust but if you keep focusing on Finding that evidence, that that key document that is saying that oh, it, this orders, this order is uh, proving that the genocide was premeditated and orchestrated by the government. We have lost focus on so many other areas and aspects of the Armenian genocide, which are starting coming for the last, I, I dare to say, five, ten years, but. Before that, we were only focusing on 1915-1916 and that was one of the reasons why I started digging up all these documents that I think the research has forgotten thanks to this uh, never-ending search for for the the document.
0: You're uh, writing about uh, the creation of national narrative and identity. And what do you think about the importance, the weight of Armenian Genocide memory in the structure of contemporary Armenian identity? Is this weight diminishing as the memory of Armenian Genocide is fading now in new generation because they don't have direct connections with survivors and this topic for them uh, is becoming like abstraction. What do you think about it?
1: Well, it's a really complex question. I think, uh, depending on who you ask, they, they would give you re- very contradictory answers to that. Uh, uh, I think Armenian identity, whether you like it or not, uh, com- uh, spe- I mean, co- also in parallel with the Jewish identity uh, and other n- nations with genocide in the recent past, uh, they are... They are marked by the genocide, even though uh, in, in the Jewish case they have come they have come a long way with the with the process of reconciliation, not between perpetrator and victim, but internally as well. And that goes for the German and the Jewish societies and nation respectively as well. But, the Armenian, uh, Armenian genocide is, of course, uh, as, as I mentioned in my thesis, it's, it's a kind of an open-ended issue. We haven't come to any closure, if you ever can come to such a thing. But uh, it, it is a live issue within the Armenian narrative. It doesn't go... I wouldn't say you talk about it every day, But I think it's it's fair to say that uh, the Armenian Genocide pops up in one way or another at least a couple of times uh, during uh, during a year. But uh, there are many different aspects. The independence of Armenia has, uh, and I have discussed this issue with several people, many, I mean, at many different occasions. Uh, why the Armenian uh, diaspora community alive is not as active as it used to be. Uh, I ascribe some of it to the independence of Armenia. Uh, Thirty years ago, you, you didn't have this openness. You, did, you, you couldn't come to Armenia and go as you can today. And of course, you have to... In, in order to preserve the identity, uh, escaping the white white genocide, as as we call it in in, in our, our Armenian, uh, you have to preserve your identity, uh, not falling victim for assimilation and that white, white genocide. You had you had your uh, Sunday Sunday schools, you, you had your community theater, song groups, uh, ensemble, and all that, but. After the independence, and especially now, you have five, six different TV satellite uh, channels in, in your living room. You have maybe an apartment in, in Yerevan or in Armenia somewhere. You can come and go at least once a year. And that need for preserving the memory or, or, or at that war- warning from the genocide, not, not falling for the assimilation as it was 30 years ago. I think... Uh, I'm not blaming the Armenian independence for it, but I'm saying that it has played a, a, a major role in that shift. But also, uh, it's all about information. And, and uh, as long as we don't have a constructive working uh, recipe in, in talking about the genocide, and I'm, I'm saying in a more let us call it, lighter narrative. Genocide studies, even for us scholars, it's not an easy, it not, it's not an easy topic. Yeah. And I mentioned in my introduction that if I had to choose a, a topic, I don't think I would choose... I mean, there, there are so many f- fantastic and wonderful topics to choose from in Armenian history that... I mean, genocide with, and all the horrors in it it wouldn't be my maybe first choice. But anyhow, somewhere you're compelled to choose it. So I think uh, shifting the, the narrative and, and the way we convey it to the younger generation could help because it's one thing to read it in a quite heavy theoretical academic language and the other one uh, in, in order to convey it as, as, as the Holocaust memory has done in, a, in the popular uh, arena, has become a, uh, uh, made its way into the popular narrative, ma- making it more easier in, into, into the movies, documentaries, etc. Et
0: uh, you know, in, in, in Armenian public does discourse uh, for many Armenians, the issue of recognition are in the top of the interest if they, they are speaking about Armenian genocide, the main questions we are concerned, or let me not say obsessed, are not how it happened or why it happened, but uh, the state of recognition of Armenian genocide. Or, yes. for example, if U.S. president said the word gen- genocide in his annual speech, what do you think about this uh, concentration on external actors? In the case of the Armenian genocide and
1: related to your book research. Well, that's actually one of the core central issues because, uh, as I said, on the one hand, you have the, the this huge knowledge. We know what happened. Uh, the, the whole scholarly community is pretty much clear on what happened, uh, and as it, it is a. It is a crime. It is a. It is a. Uh, as as the concept is defined within international law, it was an internationally wrongful act. And when you commit a crime, then it's then it's uh, the next step. As, as I bring it up in my uh, approach to reconciliation, the trinity of recognition, responsibility, and reparation. Uh, the issue of recognition uh, comes. Naturally, first, that you want someone, uh, and especially uh, the third parties, you know, when the perpetrator is denying you that recognition, you go to the international community and ask them for recognition that at least they would recognize your suffering, your losses. And uh, as the Armenian uh, nation has been denied that recognition, starting with the uh, uh, Lausanne Treaty, that they pretty much that the Turkish uh, government with the help of international community, and in that case was the co-signatories uh, of the Lausanne Treaty, uh, pretty much helped the Turkish government to whitewash the crimes committed during World War One. That's Same suspicion, that same uh, loss of confidence, first in the Turkish government, how they had treated their own citizens, but now the loss of confidence in the international community and the major powers, uh, especially, made uh, the Armenian genocide, well, it re victimized the Armenian nation. And of course, as the major nations, among them uh, United States, Great Britain, etc., uh, as they annually just repeat that denial, even though they are saying that we are not denying the massacres, but they are de facto denying the genocide, but not wanting to call it by its true name. It means that uh, as a Canadian nation is missing that very vital first step towards a closure. Uh, and again, in genocide, you might never reach that closure, it, it, might, be, it might be impossible. Uh, but anyhow, a recognition that somebody is recognizing, telling you that I am, a, I am acknowledging your loss, I am acknowledging that you have been a victim of of a wrongdoing. That is the very first vital step that has been missing. So it makes the whole recognition issue a huge one, Uh, especially when everybody is nowadays saying that we are not denying that almost one million Armenians were killed and massacred, but we are not going to call it what the definition is supposed to call it. So this disparity between knowledge and acknowledgement even pushes the recognition higher up and makes it such a huge issue for the Armenian community uh, internationally, not in Armenia or diaspora separately, but them together.
0: Um, in your book, you are narrating the sequence of events in the process of Armenian genocide recognition from the time of First World War to the last developments of commemorative event, events of the centennial of Armenian genocide and aftermath, and um, you know. Uh, I am hunch that, uh, at least in the last years, it transformed into separate phenomena. I mean, the process of recognition that lives its own life. And some international actors use the Armenian Genocide recognition, of course, to tackle their core problems, mm. to issue their mm. objectives. And what do you think about it? Do you identify this instrument, instrumentalization of Armenian Genocide recognition as a problem, as a threat
1: for us. Well, to be honest, I don't think that it has uh, become such an instrument on international level lately. But if you look at it from the very beginning, it was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back to if you go back to uh, nineteen uh, in nineteen seventies when the and Kiko reports started. Uh, how the Turkish representative in the sub Commission protested against it. And uh, that political usage of the Armenian genocide, uh, the pinnacle of it was actually the recognition in the, in the European Parliament. Because... Uh, I would say it would be really naive not to connect the, the recognition of the Armenian Genocide in the European Parliament in 1987 with the application of Turkey to become a member in European Community, EC, when the EU was non-existing and pretty much the issue of Armenian Genocide has repeated every time since then, every time the, the Turkish EU membership has come, come up. And that is uh, that is of course a very unfortunate usage of, of human rights uh, or, or the place human rights actually has within international politics and within real, po- uh, real politics. When political actors are using the Armenian genocide, and not only the Armenian genocide. I mean, the Armenian genocide is far alone, but even other cases, when every time they want to use it as a leverage. In Armenian case, it's against Turkey. In other cases, we have several other uh, examples. Uh, Armenian genocide has, unfortunately become a scarecrow uh, especially within the European Union when they if they want to get at Turkey they can and will use the Armenian Genocide but when it comes to be really uh, honest about the Armenian Genocide most of those countries who use it as a a uh, bargaining uh, mean they fall short of going the whole way, recognizing, and Germany is a fine example for that, that uh, Bundestag recognized it, but uh, when the immigration crisis hit the EU and Angela Merkel was going to Turkey to negotiate the terms with Erdogan, uh, I don't remember which German newspaper was uh, that wrote about it, That, uh, but they actually quite... Uh, Ironically, pointed out that Angela Merkel is going to Ankara with the Armenian genocide on a silver plate. That they are going to say we are going to, uh, we are not going to elevate it to the, the, the political, I mean the governmental level, but it will stay in, on uh, Bundestag level uh, in exchange for Turkey's uh, commitment to keep the Syrian refugees at his border, not allowing them. So the Armenian Genocide was pointed out by a German newspaper as a, as a leverage, as a political leverage in bargaining with Turkey over a political um, immigration issue. And that is, that is a very unfortunate reality about the Armenian Genocide, which... As you mentioned, have become more and more conspicuous in, in in the last couple of years, since especially perhaps since 2015, the, the centennial year.
0: And uh, in your book, you have a subchapter dedicated to this uh, conference in Tel Aviv in yes. 1982. Unfortunately, it's not not forgotten, but we don't uh, identify this event. Uh, um, as uh, the, one of the foundational turning points for the creation of genocide studies itself. And what do you think about the denial in academia? Do we have now consensus among genocide scholars at least uh, for the recognition for meaning genocide?
1: Uh, well. One of the slogans at least uh, I, I have heard somewhere or I have read it somewhere uh, during the centennial year was that we have won the information war, and I totally agree with it, especially looking at, at uh, conferences, seminars, documentaries, uh, all, all the articles in the press, etc uh, there was there was really noticeable Uh, absence of the Turkish narrative during that whole period and ever since that as well uh, if you wish Uh, a colleague of mine Maria Carlson wrote her uh, doctoral thesis on the issue of uh, denial her book was called The Cultures of Denial uh, and, and, uh, and the phenomenon of denialism within the academia and she was explaining it uh, uh, by uh, uh, putting it in a scale between uh, white and black so there is a gray area in between there within within academia how how they deny it but to be honest uh, compared to 10 years ago when you had uh, you could had let us say quite credible uh, scholars who could come forth and 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 uh, Question the reality of the Armenian Genocide. Um, Gunter Levy, uh, McCarthy, etc. To be honest, I don't think that they are taken that seriously anymore. And there are still a couple of Turkish, especially Turkish uh, scholars, in foreign universities, uh, of course. A couple of them in in US universities. in Utah, especially, uh, uh, who are continue, uh, continuing continuing th- that narrative and and that tradition, unfortunately, but uh, I can, uh, uh, for an example, just mention that when the Turkish Association invited uh, uh, McCarthy to Sweden uh, in order to kind of a counteract the Swedish. Uh, recognition in in their parliament in 2010. They were really frustrated that they couldn't find any institution in in Sweden, and especially in Stockholm, who could uh, invite McCarthy to have a a lecture on on his views on on the Armenian genocide. And that was the first time for me, actually, Uh, that I mean, they maybe didn't deny him, they they did it quite politely, Uh, they didn't have the time, they uh, didn't fit the schedule, but it was quite apparent that the Swedish universities as institutions wouldn't want to... Uh, give a genocide denier room for expression of that kind of uh, that kind of thoughts, uh, thoughts anymore. N- not and and that kind that kind of uh, approach, I would say, has become more and more frequent in in at least Western uh, academia and you, uh, academics, scholars who are denying the Armenian genocide or even questioning it. Bec- are becoming more and more rare, and, and, and uh, academia is not taking them seriously at all. And
0: 1982 conference was the first? Uh,
1: oh, well, 1982, I, I bring up, I talk about borderlines. That was a concept that I learned from my supervisor, Klaus Joran Carlson, and I use it in, in my book the, the borderline events which mark uh, different shifts in, in the evolution of the Armenian Genocide, the recognition of the Armenian Genocide. The uh, April 24, 1965 was one. The, the assassination of the Turkish counselors in California was one. Entry of the Armenian Genocide into the academia, in, uh, and I uh, ascribe it to the 1982 conference in Tel Aviv. That was one, because that was really the borderline event which introduced the Armenian massacres into the scholars, and everybody started to questioning, okay, what is this all about? Why is this, at that time, 70-, 60-year-old issue still such a topical uh, issue that there's different terrorist g- groups are killing people for it. And
0: even Turkish denial benefited.
1: Of course, of course. And and how the the Foreign Ministry of Israel and Foreign Ministry of Turkey actually joined forces in order to kill that conference. But Israel Charney, who was the main initiator of that conference, stood firm and, and made it happen, even though he lost half of the Uh, participants in the the conference, but at the end it was a conference that uh, had almost 300 participants and, if I'm not mistaken, 10 or 11 papers in in one uh, panel uh, during one session was entirely dedicated to the Armenian Genocide.
0: Okay thank you Dr. Larkin And the last question about your future projects or future
1: research plans I am I am looking at, uh, in finding that very important uh, topic for book number 2 as my uh, supervisor always pointed out that this the book that you're writing now is not as important as your book number 2 so I'm I'm looking for that topic for that famous book number 2 but uh, coming into the issues uh, issues concerning uh, human rights uh, conflict and uh, peace studies and especially the politics of memory and legacy of it i'm pretty sure that i will continue in, in that area somewhere it, it remains to be seen what uh, i will come across okay
0: thank you uh, thanks a your, lot thank uh, you coming and uh, uh, Wagen Avetian was our guest for the podcast for the Society of Armenian Studies. Thank you.